Saturday morning cartoons were awesome. From the 1960s through the 1990s, we kicked off each weekend in a frenzy of animation that is unmatched today. But were these shows actually any good? Join us as we dig into the history of your favorite and not so favorite Saturday morning cartoons, look at the good, the bad, and the ugly of each one, and determine if our nostalgia matches the reality when it comes to these tunes. So stay in your PJs, grab a bowl of cereal, and settle in. I'm John. And I'm Robert. And this is Toon Talk. So John. Yeah, Robert. Have you ever seen the Star Wars Holiday Special? Of course. Would you watch it again? Uh, maybe. Would you watch it if it was 13 episodes? No. <laughs> okay, you, you wouldn't <laughs> want to review that for the podcast? No, I would not, no. No, no sane person would. But uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, the Star Wars Holiday Special factors into our episode today, which is Star Wars Droids, The Adventures of R2-D2 and C-3PO. And what an adventure it was. It's something. <laughs> but So our, our story starts a long time ago, which would be 1978, yeah. in a galaxy far, far away, which is the Star Wars universe, as, that, as the Star Wars phenomenon had taken over the globe, and George Lucas is, he's already looking at continuing his story. I mean, he's making money on toys, he's got the, Oh, he's making money everywhere. He's, got, he's, he's the toast of Hollywood at this point, because of the surprise space fantasy that he created that was supposed to be just like a quick one-off. There was a disco song. Yeah, and it's yeah. suddenly, it's, it's, it's a big thing. Yep. And among the ways that he could kind of create telling the story, in addition to obviously creating the next movie, which would be The Empire Strikes Back, was through this weird slice of pop culture that would become the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yeah. So we don't need to go into all the different elements that make up this weird Frankenstein's monster of a train wreck. But one component that would set the groundwork for our, our show today is a 10-minute animated sequence that was pretty much the only good part of that special. Yes. So, and I'm going to, if anybody's interested in learning more about the, the holiday special they haven't, the Stuff You Should Know podcast does a fantastic, has a fantastic oh, yeah. episode. I've they, heard that one. They replay it actually every year on Life Day, which is the... Yeah, I believe holiday right. from that episode. It's but great. It's, it is. It is hilarious, and, and you really <laughs> kind of see how weird that whole thing was. It was bizarre, but like Chewbacca has a family, <laughs> <laughs> and and it's a two hour two hours of wow. <laughs> but so George Lucas had expressed his desire to use animation to expand his Star Wars universe. Part of it's because it's an easier medium to experiment in. Because, I mean, he's, yeah. he's creating worlds, creating creatures, and drawing them is a lot easier, especially in the 1970s and early 80s, right. than, than filming on location. Yeah, there is no CGI at no. this point. It is just yeah. <laughs> practical effects and how do we make this work. Right. So early in the discussion for the holiday special, the director of the special, Clive A. Smith, showed Lucas a sample of animation that was created by Nelvana Limited in Canada, a... Relatively fledgling animation studio. Yeah, they were kind of they're they've been around a couple years, but not not a big name. Lucas watched it and was really impressed. He's like, "This is really good. Let's let's bring them in and we'll do a an animated segment for this holiday special." It was probably the thing that he was most involved in, and again, not surprisingly, yeah. it's the best part of the, the sure. special. Imagine that. Um, and it would introduce a new character who would come back. In the upcoming, would appear in the upcoming movie, The Empire Strikes Back, and that's Boba Fett. Yeah, who now has his own series on Disney Plus, and is which is also excellent. Yes, yeah. uh, and 
Interestingly enough, Smith, the, the director, would leave production halfway through because of creative differences with this, the studio and the, the writers. And I think we could both agree that even though we have no idea what he actually wanted, clearly whatever he wanted would have been better than whatever they went with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Forward ahead from 1978 to 1983-1984. Return of the Jedi has come out, the final of the trilogy movies, and the future of Star Wars is kind of in flux. Yeah. There's no plan for another movie. They killed Darth Vader. Yeah, Lucas has ideas. Right. But there's, yeah, the studio's like, no, we're good. Yeah, Mm -hmm. right now. And he wants to do other things. He's got other plans he wants to work on. So... He, but he still wants to keep his universe moving forward in the in the public consciousness because you know there's money to be made, exactly, and, especially yeah. toys and licensing. Yeah. So he comes back with the idea of like, well, we can do anim- Here's the time for animation. We can tell stories because we have these kind of characters that we could yeah. throw already out there. developed characters that are popular and yeah, and people know. And they think, well, let's do two animated series. We'll do one with Ewoks, these new creatures we created for Return of the Jedi. They're cute and cuddly and kids sure. will like them. Yeah. And then we can also tell some adventure stories with R2-D2 and C-3PO, the two droids. Yeah. He did not want to chance any part of his saga being, in case there was more coming out, he wasn't going to put any of the main main characters like the Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Han Solo. They were not going to appear in that because yeah. it's... Whatever mythology he had kind of sketched out in his head, Didn't he wasn't going to mess it. with it. Yeah. Yeah. So he's saving those ideas for episodes, uh, movies later. Potentially, yeah. 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 Or whatever he wants to do. So it's the droids and Ewoks are the only things that he wants to work with. So let's go ahead and we'll do that. They get the green light to go ahead with it, and he's pleased with his previous encounter with Novana. He he really liked that animated sequence. It's it's pretty rough by you know even some of the standards that we've looked at. Yeah, but it's it's meant to be more realistic. It's not like the cartoony stuff that we've watched from Saturday mornings, like yeah. the, the Hanna Barbera and the filmation stuff. It's it is kind of a little more different. Yeah, more like yeah. the kind of like more obscure, like the heavy metal comic books of those times which were yeah. a little more cutting edge and a little experimental but right um but novana's on board and, and the pre-production begins in 1984 so lucas is involved in a lot of the early the, the pre-planning and the early planning on he's and he learned that lesson from the holiday Holidays. special he yeah. he basically was hands-off like hey here's a sketch of somebody here's some stuff you guys go run with it yeah and i, yeah, I trust you for some <laughs> reason yeah and he realized that he should not trust anybody. No. Yeah. <laughs> so um, poor decisions were made. Yeah, I mean, completely embarrassed by that by that turnout. So he he didn't do day to day stuff. He wasn't like so checked in that he's like, okay, what did you do today? They would give him rough animation sequences here and there, and, and he would kind of say, yep, yes, this is good. No, let's change this. And but he he finally had, he ultimately had the final approval on what was going to go forward. And with that, the show writers found themselves kind of handcuffed both by him, which they really wanted Luke, Hansel, Princess Leia, Chewbacca, because... Well, yeah, can you imagine that? Hey, do you want to work on a cartoon with George Lucas? Yeah. Okay, you can only use R2-D2 and C-3PO. Oh. No. <laughs> and they tried really hard. They, they, they pitched over and over to him, like, well, but what if we brought it in this way? And he's like, no, it's, it's just not going to happen. You guys got to stop. Yeah. So they accept that. And then they keep butting up against the ABC studio and their standards and practices board. So we've talked about many times the federal government's regulations. At this point, we're in the 80s. They've been loosened. But ABC has not pulled back their restrictions. ABC's like, yeah, whatever. It's the Wild West, but we still have 
we're not throwing whatever we want in front of kids. Right, we're the family channel. Yes, yeah. and this is going to be yeah, very strict requirements for children's programming. And so a lot of times the writers would come back and it's like, okay, they push the envelope and immediately get pushed back. Like, no, you can't get, get rid of that. Yeah. The rest of the stuff is fine. Get and, rid of the good stuff. Yeah. Stick with this. <laughs> so they kind of felt hamstrung in both of those cases, but they, they proceeded and they went ahead with... Uh, a series of episodes that watches both of these droids kind of bounce around the universe. Yeah. They kind of find new owners or masters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... Which tr- I kind of liked because it kept it fresh. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like every three episodes that kind of ended that arc with that master mm-hmm. and somehow got pushed off onto someone else or someone else said, hey, I'll hang, I'll hang out with you guys. So it kind of gave it a new fresh start every couple episodes, which, yeah. which was good, I thought. Yeah, and each episode was a standalone, but then depending on how, which master they're with, it was a be part of an overarching storyline. So there would yeah. be four episodes with one master, and then they, they would end that, they'd go find somebody else. And right. then there'd be, again, five standalone episodes, but then they would all be with that same master. And then and that, and move on to the next one. So yeah. they would just kind of... Keep it, keep it down in those story arcs and, um, yeah, still keep that individual. So, like, you didn't feel like you were missing something, per se. Yeah. Like, if you missed the first episode and came in episode two. Eh, You're okay. Eh, it's pretty yeah. much the same thing. Right. So. so, Star Wars Droids, The Adventures of R2-D2 and C-3PO would debut on ABC on Saturday, September 7th, 1985, as part of the Ewoks and Droids Adventure Hour. It would run 13, 13 episodes before being canceled. And Ewoks, meanwhile, would get a, they would get a second season, mm-hmm. but part of it was so the response to droids was really tepid. Yeah, it was, and we'll talk we'll talk about that because right. we're we're gonna have well, our our reactions are very much on par. With Pretty what similar, the general, yeah. The general yeah. reaction was, and unfortunately, it didn't match the cost, which at that time, both Ewoks and droids were running about fifty thousand to sixty thousand dollars per episode to create, which in 84. nineteen in 1984, 1985 was. Expensive cartoon. It was way above what the average cartoon was. Yeah. So, and part of it was, you know, the detail and the animation was a little bit more complex than right. what a lot of studios, it wasn't just like the cranking out and just, you know, kind of yeah. a lot of the same backgrounds. They were creating everything completely new. So, ABC's like, no, you know, the Ewoks are cute and cuddly and we can sell more with that. So, the droids go on the, yeah. go on the chopping block and there was a TV movie that was supposed to run. It was essentially a story that was would have tied to the original series, but it never got told. So they're just yeah. like, well, we'll just turn it into a movie. And they called it The Great Heap. And it was supposed to air December of 1985, at basically at the end of the season. Yeah. And, and it was it, longer than the... Yeah. It was a, it was a, an hour, hour-long episode. Yeah. Or movie, essentially. It was essentially a feature. Mm-hmm. And it got bumped from December. For, I never found out why, but it got bumped it was, to June of 1986. So in oh, June 7th. Six months. June 7th it airs, and it was the lowest rated program of that week. Oh, wow. And it was the lowest rated TV special of the entire season. Oh, my. (laughs) I didn't know that. But it makes sense when it's completely detached from what it was. From everything, yeah. Yeah, it was just basically floating in the middle of the summer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, here's just the middle of the summer. Kids are done with school. Yeah. They've forgotten about droids six months ago. Yeah, so they clearly were just done with it and were ready to move on. But it was. It's an interesting slice of Star Wars history at this point, and part of that was, I mean, there was a a very familiar, uh, very familiar voice attached to the entire season. Yes, Anthony Daniels, mm-hmm. Anthony Daniels as C three PO, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I 
I'm pretty sure that C-3PO and R2-D2 are the only two characters in all nine of the Star Wars feature films. You are correct. They're in every one of them, mm -hmm. which means Anthony Daniels is the only voice in all of them. Correct. And coincidentally, he's really the only voice in this cartoon. <laughs> because when I went through the cast, he's the only name I really recognized and the only name who had additional animation credits that were worth looking into. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the, you know, only, the only name that I, I remember that really stuck out to me was Cree Summer, who... Um, oh, of course, yeah. If, if you remember, at least from live action, she was on different different world a different world from the 1980s. Yep. And then she but she has actually turned into a, quite a, a significant voice actress. And has, After this. Yes. Yeah. Um, into the 90s and currently. Yeah. She is, she is, um, she's really proven to be a, one of the, a, a top vocal performer right now. Yeah. And she got the job in droids because her dad, Don Franks, was John Tosh, Boba Fett, um, Kaibo Ren Ka, and Kaibo Ren. Mm -hmm. He was, Don Franks was the co-pilot in Heavy Metal, which is interesting that mm. you mentioned Heavy Metal earlier. Yeah. Um, so when I was going through this cast list, Anthony Daniels is C-3PO. He's C-3PO, no question about it. You know, there's no denying that that's, he does a great job. Um, ben Burt was uncredited as a sound designer for R2-D2. He also did the sound in a lot of Pixar films mm -hmm. later. Um, Star Trek and Star Wars as well, those yeah, feature movies. It, it, he, was, he was the main... I mean, he, he created all the sounds for, for R2-D2 in the films and yeah. all the way through all the, all the, all all the, the way live through, action yeah. ones. And, and through the even the animated the Clone Wars and Rebels. I right. mean, he is still attached to all that. Still He's attached to it, yes. Yeah. sound genius. Right. Very talented. Yeah. And a lot of the other sounds he created for the Star Wars series is also in this cartoon. Mm -hmm. So it's neat to see him. I wish they would have credited him, but they didn't. Um, yeah, I just said R2-D2 as himself. Yeah, it said R2-D2. Well, yeah. Okay, <laughs> whatever. They could have put his voice in sound design or something. Yeah. You know? um, but I mentioned Don Franks. Winston Record as Mungo Boabob. He was a Canadian TV actor, and almost all of this cast, it seemed like they were in this studio, and if, if an actor walked by, they grabbed him and said, hey, come in here and read this. I mean, really, like a lot of them had other, other credits as additional voices, mm -hmm. or they were on some Canadian TV show for like six episodes or something. They probably had done some work with Nelvana in other yeah, just exactly. pieces like, that they're doing. Like, hey, you want to make a little extra money? Yeah. You know, here's, here's $10. <laughs> Canadian, and, and you come read this. There are exceptions, you know, Anthony Daniels, mm -hmm. and Dan Hennessy was George Dussat, um, Uncle Gundy, Governor Coon, Captain Keg. He was Chief Quimby in Expector Gadget. Hmm. Um, and he was Braveheart on the Care Bears. Oh, wow. So he did a few, few things that, that we know about. The rest of them, these names like Jane Austen, Long John Baldry, who was called Long John Baldry just because he was tall. I'm like, why is this guy, is he a pirate? Why is his name Long John? Um, Chris Wiggins as Manjupa, which was a big character, but really didn't do anything else. Um, Winston Record, again, as Tig Fromm, and just a bunch of other names that were just other voices or yeah. whatever. So really an uninspiring mm -hmm. cast with, with one or two exceptions, and it shows. Yeah. Because the voice acting in this was bad. Yeah, it was. It, it really felt Every line felt forced mm -hmm. to me. Even the th stuff that was supposed to be funny, it was like you're watching the pilot of a comedy where all the 
all the jokes are scripted and you don't know the characters yet and you don't know if that's supposed to be funny or not. Yeah. Um, just really dry acting, I guess I would say. Just real wooden, outside of Anthony Daniels, who knew the character up and down. Well, and yeah, it's watching that, and it crossed my mind. At one point, Anthony Daniels, he's like, what do you give me to work with here? I mean, give me, give me somebody to work off of. Yeah. I mean, other than Ben Burt, who, you know, it's yeah. just give me beeps and whistles, right. which is what all I'm going to get. But yeah, I mean... Yeah, it had to be frustrating. It'd be a bit persnickety about that. And yeah, so. and he's known for that. Yes, evidently. Yeah. Well, and he he made a comment too. Uh, some after the fact, you know, years later, he'd been interviewed about creating this, and he had said, uh, "Well, I was not going to attach my name to some subpar project. I needed to make sure that this it was, was going to be good." Yeah. So yeah. he's like, "Just because it's Lucasfilm doesn't mean I, I'm going to sign on." Yeah. And so yeah, he he was very particular about some of the portrayals. What he would of, do. Yeah, what he would do and. And he definitely had comments about uh, some of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it shows that, yeah. that these aren't, you know, this is rank and file voice actors. Yeah. I guess I could say, you know, there wasn't anyone spectacular right. in this. There were people who went on to do other things. Really, a lot of them were TV actors mm-hmm. and not necessarily voice actors. And we've talked about it before. There's a difference. Because mm-hmm. when you're a TV actor and you're a screen actor, you've got your face to express emotions. You've got the situation around you. You have the other characters. You have the set behind you. When you're a voice actor, it's you and the microphone and a piece of paper. And you've yeah. got to make those emotions and make that happen through your voice. Yeah. And not everyone can do it. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and clearly that uh, fifty dollars $60,000 budget per episode was not in the, they were not paying for the top talent. No, it was for the animation. Yes. Yeah, it was for the people drawing the pictures. Yeah. That said, they did nail the opening theme song. That opening theme kicks. Which I, I thought it was great. Yeah. So it was, the, it's called In Trouble Again. It was performed by Stuart Copeland from The Police. The drummer from The Police, yeah. yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. It's awesome. He co-wrote it with Derek Holt from the Climax Blues Band. Yeah, I mean, superstars yeah. working on this song. Yeah, and it, it is it is a, as, as especially from an animated cartoons theme song, it is one of the better ones you'll hear. Yeah, it was great. It was... I was tempted to not hit the skip intro button while I was watching. Oh, I, wanted, I never did. I listened. That was. Did you listen to it I, every I look, time? I look forward. And it's not a long. I mean, it's, no. it's it's long. It's quick, but yeah. it's it's entertaining. And you know, it doesn't. You know, the rest of the the music that goes with the, the show is very very synthy. Yeah. And very repetitive. It's pretty much the same kind of three tracks, mm-hmm. and they just kind of play them over and over. Yeah. And it yeah. It kind of takes you out of it here and there because it's especially when you it, think about Star Wars. Yeah, that it's you know the the, the sweeping sounds of like of John Williams and yes. you know, the orchestral music. Yeah, there's no just comparison. Really, the the emotion behind it. Yeah. There's no emotion. It's just meh. Yeah. So again, they didn't spend a lot of money. <laughs> they must have spent the regular the, backing track there either. They so. spent the money on Copeland and, yeah. and Holt. Um, well, money well spent, though. I yes, think. yeah, it, it was fantastic. Go out to YouTube and find that. Mm-hmm. Um, just In Trouble Again, performed by Stuart Copeland of The Police. And it, it's a great tune, man. Mm-hmm. I, I would have loved to hear like a, a real release version of mm-hmm. that song, like a longer version. It's classic 80s rock yeah, and roll. Absolutely, you know? Yeah, I mean, perfect of its time, yep. absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and, and we did mention Ben Burt. I want to bring back to him because he actually had a hand in... The writing and the storytelling of this. So he actually 
we talked about how it was broken into different arcs. He actually wrote the entire final arc and then would have been the the Great Heap film. Oh, okay. He actually did the story treatment. Eventually, they had other people come back and write the teleplay and kind of sure. clean it up. Um, but yeah, it was kind of his story. And actually, another interview with uh, Anthony Daniels had mentioned how he was really impressed by the Van Burt stories. He's like, he got the C-3PO and R2-D2 characters better than anybody else did. He, like, he clearly understood them and he's like, I felt more comfortable Wrote for them. acting, the, you know, vocal, giving my voice to those stories than I did the other ones. The other yeah. ones felt a little off. Yeah. So. Well, for example, C-3PO drove me nuts in this because <laughs> he, I mean, he's a little bit annoying anyways, you know, because he's this protocol droid and he's kind of uppity. And, yeah. But in this, it's like C-3PO, uh, you know, he's always in a state of terror he's yeah. always oh, 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 oh and he's always falling down for the love of god he falls down seven or eight times an episode or yeah. he trips on something or he knocks something over it's like this guy what is this the keystone cops yeah it's his character development is did i land on my side did i land on my back or did i land on my head right i mean that, that's it that's <laughs> or did my leg fall off <laughs> yeah. yeah he's in r2d2 i think they did r2d2 justice because he was just the calm, confident, mm-hmm. little beeping robot that fixes stuff. Well, and, and yeah, especially talks get, to computers. And you get to the great heap. I mean, he's basically a one-man show to win. That basically saves the day. He's the hero. I mean, he does everything at the end. Yes, of it to, to, to actually lead to victory. So, but yeah, it's yeah the C three PO and it's it, it's a bit much. Yeah, it gets <laughs> old yeah. quick. Yeah, yeah, it's just like they could have dialed it back twenty percent. Yeah. Um, cause you know, I can see that this was aimed at little kids, mm-hmm. you know, much, much younger audience than the kids who were going to the movies. Mm-hmm. Right. But when you realize that, yeah, would a kid laugh every time that robot falls down? Yeah. Maybe for the first three episodes. And then after that, it's like mm-hmm. they expect him to fall down, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it just, it didn't seem like it was used as an important piece of the story. Mm-hmm. Ever, it was just like a cheap gag that they tried to get away with every single time, and yeah, and I it's, just didn't get it. And it's not that he's he comes across as clumsy; it just feels like everything happens. Well, he's gonna fall over now. Yep, yep. And, yeah, yeah. Like how, 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 how are they gonna make him fall over this yeah. time? Oh, he's carrying a tray yeah. of food. He's gonna fall. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, well, he's gonna be in the ship at some point. We're gonna see his feet just sticking out where the where the where his head should be. And right. It's just <laughs> yeah. Well, I asked you. I remember I texted you like C three PO's an idiot. Something's wrong with his gyroscopes. He's falling down all the time. To which you said... Well, and I said, well, something's clearly wrong with his uh, his vocal receptors because he's blinking all the time. And yeah. C-3PO's a robot. He doesn't blink. No. <laughs> but in this, he's got eyelashes. <laughs> or not eyelashes. He's got eyelids. Yeah. And they close. Yeah. And a he, lot. Yeah, he blinks and his, his eyes open. You know, they, they widen and shrink. And part of it's just the, the, just the effect for the cartoon that, sure. to show emotion. But yeah. with as much as... Anthony Daniels' voice is kind of selling that performance. They don't need that. No. I mean, and, I mean, part of it's the R two D two. I had the same thought with R two D two. The way they animated. It. I mean, he's just a, he's just this ash can on wheels. Yeah. And he, when you look at the live action films, the way he beeps and responds, his attitude comes across the way that he. I mean. Yeah. You can he, tell he, when he's sad. He or doesn't when need he's... to do anything special. It's just they're just so. You mm-hmm. know, ben Burt was so effective at giving him emotion, just like on the way he whistles and, yep. and responds. And in this one, part of it's just it's animation. But when you think of 
any cartoon like where somebody like jumps or they get startled, they almost kind of like accordion a little bit. You right. Know? They, they they stretch and they, they kind of compact and like instead of like those clear lines, they kind of get wavy because they're they're smaller and sure. And when they show him, he'll he'll plug into a unit on the wall and. In the movies, it's just he's just a solid thing, and you just see the thing turning. Right. We don't see that. We just see him like kind of accordioning. You know, yeah. He's like a little accordion, up and down and up and down, and like kind of rocking as he's spinning. Like, why is he doing that? Yeah. He's, he's, Although he's the, solid metal. Why yeah, would he? Be why doing, is he bending? He's not made of aluminum. <laughs> I did pick up on that, but there's one episode where R two D two break dances, and it's awesome. <laughs> it's actually really cool to see R two D two break dance and do the moonwalk and he does a backspin and he spins on his head or his top which i'm like okay that i'll allow it because <laughs> that's cool <laughs> but the rest of it is yeah it's just like that's not r2d2 doesn't do that yeah you know he's he's a solid little brick yeah know? yeah and it's and they don't need to do that it's just I, you know the yeah. license with the animation studio felt like they needed to do that to do something to make yeah. it a little bit more I don't know. But they were wrong. To show what he was doing. And, yeah, they didn't really need to. They didn't but, need to do that. Yeah. No. Um, before we get away too far away from, from the writing, too, we mentioned Ben Burt. I did want to mention the other name that really stood out to me on this one was Paul Dini, who did the teleplay for The Frozen Citadel, which was episode 13, the last episode of the, of the, the season. So Paul Dini, um, anybody who is familiar with the 90s cartoons, he was a major writer for the Batman, the animated series. Oh, cool. Came up with uh, the Harley Quinn story arcs. And um, he also wrote for Tiny Toons. Was just, I mean, a really, really accomplished animation writer. And eventually would actually do some really good stuff in in the comic books. He actually wrote a pretty significant run in the Spider-Man comics through Marvel Comics. So it's... Very cool. Um, yeah, that one jumped out at me a lot. I was like, well, that's a that's a that's good a name. That's Clearly, yeah. early on in his career, but yeah, yeah. he got some got some good experience and translated it translate into something better. It's good stuff. And of course, episode thirteen was actually one of the best episodes. Like I said, this this series got better as it went. I agree. Um, it, it, it part of it was finding its footing. Part of it was just telling better stories as it went along. We'll dig into the episodes, but I want to add one more thing. Because yeah. we talk about Star Wars, so sure. you have to talk about continuity. Yes. Any Star Wars geek worth its salt knows that, hey, this is canon, this is not canon. Right. So when this was made, this was meant to be... I mean, Lucas approved it. This is canon. This is, this is actually stuff that happened prior to Episode 4. So 15 years prior to... What we now know as Episode Four, which was the original Star the original Wars, Star Wars. Film, A, A New, New Hope. Hope. Yep. This was these events actually happened in Star Wars lore. They actually ultimately would be referenced in the subsequent books that expand the extended universe books that would go on for twenty some years. The uh, comic books, any other stories that were told over time, they would make reference to this. This is this stuff actually happened. This was considered real, real Star Wars lore until Episode One came out. In 1999, because at that point we go back into the prequels, and particularly by the time Episode Three comes out, they've established that R2D2 and C3PO are the are the uh, property of Captain Antilles. Yes, Captain Antilles would next be referenced in Episode Four when they said our last master was Captain Antilles. Yeah, of course that that doesn't fit. In the that timeline. doesn't jive with, yeah. with the droids cartoon series. There was ways they tried to kind of finagle that a little bit in the history. Ultimately, it didn't matter because when Disney acquired Star Wars properties, all of that stuff, all outside of the, only the, the main six films, 
and the Clone Wars cartoon and ultimately the Rebels cartoon, those were the only things considered canon at that time. Anything else was just considered legendary stories. Sure. They were just just tales told about all these great Part people. of the Star you know, Wars universe. It was not universe, considered yeah. what really happened. Yeah. So at that point, obviously, the animated series was just kind of yeah. gone. Yeah. But uh, they would... Um, it, they were definite nods to this the series as it went on. Like, in episode one... In episode one, they have the pod, the pod race. Yes. And a significant part of that film. Mm-hmm. And it's called the Bunta Eve Classic. Yeah. In episode four, animated series, it's Bunta Speeder Race. Yes. So it's they, they clearly pulled that. Pulled that in. Right from there. And my guess is that that's a name that Lucas came up with. And then he just carried it over into episode one. Yeah. Um, you would see Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he, he makes his debut in... The holiday special, yep. he comes back here, um, looking the same as he did in the holiday special. His his, his suit looks the different. The Mandalorian armor. Yeah, yep. he looks different than he ultimately would show up in, in episode in episode four. Or, yeah. I'm sorry, episode five. The Empire Strikes Back. And his ship is a little different. Yep, he's got a different ship, and it yep. gets blown up. So that kind of explains so why, why his ship is suddenly why he gets slave one. Yep. And then IG-88, the other yeah, the assassin, assassin droid, droid shows yep. up. The Max Rebo band, who you see. Uh, yes, in, that was great. That was a cool cameo. Yeah, I was I not expecting expect, that. No, I wasn't expecting that at all. Like, <gasps> look at that. <laughs> and, and then you'd see the Gamorrean, one of the Gamorrean guards from yes. Jabba's palace yep. would actually show up in, yeah. in kind of midway through that season two. I also saw when C-3PO and R2-D2 were working in that little diner, the chef had four arms mm-hmm. like that like the guy um, Dexter in the Attack of the Clones. Yeah. 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 In Attack of the Clones, that mm-hmm. guy had four arms. Like, yep. oh, I've seen that guy before. <laughs> and the the uh, General Grievous wheel bike yep. from Revenge of the Sith shows up in this thing. Yep. So it's like, wait a minute, those weren't new ideas. Yeah. The ideas are from the 80s. <laughs> yeah. They clearly liked them and then just kind of sat and waited for the time to fit, to fit them in. And Pull them in. Yeah. 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 So that was really cool. Mm hmm. So yeah, I mean it, it. It's no longer continuity, but at one time this was this was canon. This, yeah, this actually happened. So no yep. more. Nope. But and probably for the best. No, no, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> so overall, John, what did you think of this from the time you stepped into it? Yeah. Like, what was your what was your what was your expectation, and what what did you end up finding? Uh, so it it grew on me. Um, the first couple I saw, I was really excited because I love Star Wars. And I watched these back in the day in the 80s, um, which is plenty long ago, long time ago in a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. I was excited to see the characters. What I was disappointed in is the stories took a while to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first arc was kind of lame I thought I didn't think the writing was that great on the first couple but it did get better Mm -hmm. Um, the animation wasn't bad but to me it felt like do you remember color forms like Mm -hmm. those little vinyl cutouts they would peel and you'd stick on a a cardboard background that's what it looked like to me (laughs) and I couldn't get over that (laughs) and it's not bad I just didn't like it right right (laughs) Um, the opening song I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple episodes that were way better than the others. Mm-hmm. You know, it seemed like in an arc, one episode really stood out as yep. better yep. than the rest of them. And it was usually the one where they were kind of wrapping that arc mm-hmm. up. Um, because like, okay, I can see something's going to happen now. <laughs> yeah, it felt like there were actual stakes involved. Exactly. And yeah, yeah I mean, my when I sat down and watched it, I, I remember 
as a kid when this cartoon came on, and I don't remember any of the I don't remember the cartoon at all, and I remember sitting down to watch the first one and probably never finished it. Yeah, because as an adult sitting down to watch this and actually kind of anticipating like, ooh, what's it going to be? Yeah. You and I talked before we started recording. I watched the first episode and it got to the end and like I don't even remember what happened. I totally zoned out. I don't even know what was happening. So I had to go back and rewatch it <laughs> just to figure out because I was it, 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 I had trouble focusing on the story because I just really didn't care. And yeah. primarily it was well, there was nothing happening. No, it's it's the basically C three P and R two D two are kind of jettisoned from whatever ship they're on and they end up in a desert, kind mm-hmm. of not unlike a new Tatooine, hope. Yeah. And they are found by these two speeder bike guys, uh, Jordan Thal. Yeah. And they... Who have of, classic, like, 80s punk haircuts. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Yeah. It, that was distracting, too. It was. It was, it was very really, distracting, because they didn't fit into the the scene at no, all. They like were the like, thing that made them alien is that they have, like, partially shaved heads. It right. Was really, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, Jordan has this red hair, and it's, like... Long like, on one side and like kind of big wave in the middle, and then his left bald. side is completely shaved. Yeah, and it's just it's really odd. odd. Yeah, and then Thal just has like he just has like this mohawk and he's shaved on either side. Right, it's just weird. Um, yeah, they didn't fit at all. No, even with the other human characters in that episode, yeah. they didn't match up. Or through most of the series, they, right. most of the humans kind of look the same, and then sure. they just have yeah punk hair. Yeah, but. Yeah, and then they just, through getting with the two of them, they get mixed up with this basically local crime family, the mm-hmm. the, uh, the Froms. Yes. And in this case, it's Tig Fromm, the, the son of the, the main guy mm-hmm. who's trying to prove himself. Yeah. And they... He's going to be the biggest gangster in this quadrant. Yes. Yeah. And, Except for his son keeps screwing it up. <laughs> and it's really just kind of... I think the biggest problem with that is Jordan Thal are... They're nice guys, and they're clearly they're, they're good characters. Yeah, but there's nothing special about them. They're no. really not exciting. They're just no. kind of it's like Luke Skywalker, like super light. Yes, <laughs> I mean not even just like a pared down version. There's just it's these like, kids that are trying to get to Tashi Station to buy some power converters because <laughs> they just want to race their. Yeah, they, they just, just want to race their speed bike. Right, and then they somehow stumble across this these yeah, two droids and this incompetent crime family. Yeah, <laughs> and, and along the way, they also there's also Kia, this. This female character that they meet, who, again, you talk about the weird hair. Yeah. She looks like she has the, she has this weird kind of eighties, like kind of spiky kind of yeah. hair on top, and the longer hair in the back, like almost like a mullet type thing. But yeah. then, like then they set like a skunk on top and the top of her head. Yeah, there's like this weird, I don't even know, like this gray V. Yeah, that she looks like she was odd. Like, yeah, like she's like trying to be a badger. <laughs> <laughs> And it doesn't work. It's just yeah. I mean, but again, that's how they're they're alien. They're they're, they're yeah. a different. They're a different you know, culture. Yeah, they're on a different planet because yeah. their hair is and they're futuristic, extreme. And it's yeah. yeah. It, that one and again another very very nice, very well intended, very boring. Just fell flat. Yeah, and and that and that's the whole first arc. Those first four stories are all the four those three characters with R two D two and and then kind of battling with the the Fromm family. Well, and how it ends, the those teens get hired away to go work for somebody else and like, "Oh, can we bring our droids?" Yeah, but you'll have to wait, wipe their memories. And they're like, "Ah, no thanks. See you later, droids." Like the <laughs> droids aren't interested in being wiped, so we'll just leave them here. <laughs> 
Well, and yet that episode is the best of the episode of that arc, but and the but way it ends bad. It, oh, it ends weird. awful because yeah. they just, they had to find a way to get him away from him. We got to get out of this. Yeah. To move the, the them along, but but that's the episode where Boba Fett shows up, right? And the reason that that episode feels a little bit more because it feels like there's more. There's, there's more, more coming. Well, and it just feels like there's a bigger sense of peril immediately threatening them because here's this bounty, bounty hunter, hunter specifically trying to take them out. And they mention Jabba. Yeah, and they yeah. get and they get pulled in, and <laughs> somehow Boba Fett enters the the Bunta race with uh, uh, with Jordan Thal, and and it ends up you know him. Chasing, I mean, there's a whole speed bike race yeah. in this, like, kind of like you know, not to the extreme of episode, but it's one, like but again, they're it's, in like a gerbil water tubes. slide or gerbil, yeah, gerbil <laughs> tubes. Yeah, they're racing through gerbil tubes, just yeah. giant gerbil tubes. But it's really, I mean, how do you pass somebody? Yeah, and <laughs> it's how you got to get to the, you got to get, you got to be the first gerbil, right? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's yeah, it, it's it's weird, but I mean, I still feel like that story felt the most. Yeah, at least cohesive beginning to end. It had like a a true story to tell. The other ones, I just kind of felt like were kind of meandering a little bit. Yeah, at least in that arc. Right. Yeah, I agree. But and and then we get to the next arc, which is the pirates and the prince, kind of the, another um, five episode arc. And this one, I had I have a harder time explaining it, just because I don't really understand necessarily what they were doing. How they ended up with basically they get a new master, this John Tosh, who buys them in an auction. In an auction, yeah, to save them. And when he buys them, he also buys this other broken droid, who actually is not a droid at all. It's this. And, well, this, they say it's an android, right? Yes. Yeah. But but he's not. But he's, he's not. He's, at he's all. just this foreign prince, the, the prince of Tamuzan, uh, Manjulpa. Who's, but you got to say it like they say it, Manjulpa. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I, didn't, I don't have my hoodies yeah. warmed up for tonight. But yeah, and it, then it's just he's trying to hide, and they're trying to save him. And it's yeah. It, so the pirate's name is Ka- oh Kaibo Ren. Yes, I'm like I heard that. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Did I just hear him say Kaibo Ren? Because clear, you know, obviously in in episode in the the movies, yeah, seven, eight, nine, Kylo yeah, Ren. seven, eight, nine. Kylo Ren is the son of spoiler alert, the son of Han Solo and Princess Leia, mm-hmm. named Kylo Ren. I'm like, oh come on, yeah, don't attach because Kylo Ren's cool, yeah, and don't don't tie him to this. <laughs> well, and clearly, I mean, well, between that and when they introduce Kia, the way they introduce her is almost identical, yeah. Very, I shouldn't say identical. There's very much shades of the way they introduce Ray in yeah. Episode Seven, yep. where the first time we see both of them, they are they have these goggles on. They're in they're in the middle of the desert, mm-hmm. goggles on, and then their faces are wrapped to protect themselves from the, the sand and the yeah. dust. And Anamorphic. Then, and then they pull off the goggles and reveal their faces, and yeah. then suddenly, then you know, it's a woman. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> and I mean, uh, and then she turns out to be a badass. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so very similar. So I, I would be shocked if J.J. Abrams had not, at some point, gone through all the Star Wars stuff he could find. Yeah, and these just two little things kind of stuck with him, whether he realizes it or not. Yeah, and just kind of move just forward. Just use it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's too much of a coincidence. Yeah, for, for that. Uh, I, I heard that name like, oh my god. 
Wait a minute. <laughs> well, and it's Rewind. funny. Rewind. Yep. <laughs> he just looks like Genghis Khan after he's been put out to seed. Yeah. <laughs> he's just <laughs> short little pirate. Yep. Fat pirate. Fat pirate. Yep. And he doesn't look like the, a threat at all, and yet he is like he's the antagonist. Yeah. For yeah, you know, this this whole arc. And they're they're a poor attempt at aliens too. The way they're drawn, I just didn't yeah. get it. Like, oh, they have pointy ears and green skin, and they're kind of fat. Yeah, well, and, and he has a he's a pirate, so he actually has a band of pirates with him. I couldn't tell you anything about any of them. No, none of they're they're. There was one of them was really big. Yeah, but remember they're, that? But, they're completely forgettable. Yeah, I mean, and he doesn't really utilize them. He's just yeah, yeah. it's he's a bad pirate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the overall storyline, it ties to this prince, the, the Manjulpa. Manjulpa. Yeah. Um, kind of some stories in almost like a bit of uh, diplomacy here and there. Yep. That, and it, 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 it makes, they're, they're better stories generally than the, the first arc. Yes. But it, they're still missing something. And again, their master, John Tosh, is just kind of, he's a guy. Yeah. I mean, it's like Rambo in space, kind of. I mean, he's got like the red, the red bandana. Yes. But there's nothing Which else. Which reminded me of like the kids in uh, Karate Kid with the bandana <laughs> on. You know, <laughs> like, are they really? Yeah, yeah. He's got a red bandana on. Yeah. I mean, and he he's not really memorable. I mean, he's just a guy who ultimately he's just trying to get into the Imperial Space Academy. Mm-hmm. But again, this is really the first time we hear about the Imperial, the Empire. Yeah. I mean, we're nine episodes in and finally he gets into the Imperial Academy and then they're like all right I'll see you guys later peace yeah <laughs> I'm out which later, I wanted dude, to tell them don't they're bad <laughs> the Empire's evil <laughs> so yeah they're just kind of aimless again yeah in trouble again <laughs> and yeah um, a, again a better arc than the first arc but not 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 great. Yeah, but slowly getting better. It is improving. It's definitely improving. Yeah, and then we get to the Uncharted Space arc mm-hmm. where we meet Mungo Baobab. And Mungo Baobab, I'll have to paint a picture for you. Mungo Baobab Please. looks like Jesus from some campy Bible story cartoon. If Jesus, if everyone assumes Jesus was a white man with blue eyes, space Jesus, <laughs> space Jesus, exactly. This guy had dark hair with a ponytail, and he wore like flowing blue and white, and a beard. I mean, I was like, oh my god, I've seen this dude before, but last time I saw him, he was Jesus. <laughs> I mean, he literally looks like Jesus as an '80s cartoon hero. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just there's no way around it. Yeah. Go Google. I'm, this is the second time I've given you an assignment, but go Google Mungo Baobab, and you'll go, "Yep, that's Jesus Christ." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but he's actually turns out to be a really cool character. He's the best best character in this, in yeah, this series. I agree. I thought he was great because he seemed like Han Solo because he was kind of a loner and he was after these crystals or the rune stones, and. But he had empathy that, mm-hmm. that Han Solo never had. Han Solo, mm-hmm. a lot of times, was in it for himself. Yeah, yeah this he's... guy like was genuinely concerned about these droids and what was going on around him. And he tried to be helpful, and he took some advice about you know, you know who your real friends are if they choose you over their own goals. Mm-hmm. And they kind of explore that story again. The writing's much better mm-hmm. in that last arc because there's a depth to it there that yeah. that you didn't get. Previously, I agree, and which yeah. makes him the best character. Yeah, and he, yeah, you mentioned the Han Solo. I agree with that. He feels like a cross between either Han Solo and 
probably a little bit of Princess Leia, a little bit of Luke Skywalker. Kind of like yeah. all three of them kind of put together and some of their best elements because he's an adventurer. Right. Yep. But he's also, he's very practical. He's a business guy. Yep. So that, that's he's a kinda, good fighter. And that helps kind of helps ground his story. Right. So he made they, they, the adventuring part, it's easy to send him wherever they want, but there's also, they can tie him to, hey, the Empire's here. Great. Yeah. We've got, the, we've got, an, an actual empire storyline yeah. here that that didn't exist before, which I mean, we're talking about Star, Star yeah, Wars stormtroopers in the in the heart of the empire. Yeah, and yeah, there's it actually it works. It feels this feels more Star Warsy than anything. The way that these these um, four episodes, then plus the movie. Yeah, well, there's clear conflict, mm-hmm. right? There's like you know how the antagonists and protagonists are going to work here. Yeah, because in the first two thirds of this, you really didn't get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the empire is here and there's real bad guys after the same thing you're after and yep. they're ruthless and like, okay, now it's star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And then there's, um, I mean, some of the, the villains in this, obviously the stormtroopers are there and that, but you have general Kung who is like this weird, like he, he didn't, uh, he's like it, this, this goofy Sergeant rock type character who yeah. just clearly, he's like the. Star Wars version of Sergeant Slaughter yeah. from Hulk Hogan. He's got a, he's got this real gravelly this voice, this weird voice, and it's, yeah. a, it's like it doesn't look doesn't seem to fit him. And he's just no. he's he's the governor, but he's an or a general, and he's an idiot. Yeah, he just calls. I think he just calls. Like, yeah, we're gonna do this, and like, yeah. and, and then you have the imperial component of it they're just like what are you talking about what are you doing well, you're you're a moron. And then he uses chemical weapons <laughs> <laughs> on himself. <laughs> It was unbelievable. <laughs> oh, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. There's one doctor on the whole planet, and he deploys this chemical germ or this agent that doesn't affect droids, obviously, but mm-hmm. it's going to kill people, and then it hits him, so he goes and kidnaps the only doctor on the planet to come heal him, and then I'll let you go save your family. Yeah. And it's just like, what? What, what was that? <laughs> it's like a space version of Agent Orange. <laughs> Well, and it's just like it makes them disappear. Yeah. It's just, it's such a weird thing. and uh, It didn't fit with the rest of it. The no, rest it, of this, 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 you know, the last four episodes was yeah. good, except for that character. Yeah, he's almost too farcical for, for everything else feels yes, much more grounded. Farcic- yeah, he just didn't fit yeah. with everything else. It's like they needed, you know, <laughs> they kind of realized that we can only we can only throw a C-3PO in the air so many times before the kids don't care anymore. So right. now we need this idiot. Yeah. To kind of be some comic relief, but maybe I mean, had they drawn him taller and not so disproportioned, like his head, he had a real big head, a square head with a massive huge jaw. jaw, yeah. And then he's just kind of, yeah. I mean, he's just almost if they had made little, him a little more menacing and less yeah. of an idiot, yeah, it would have been better. Yeah, I mean, I think they went for the you know idiot mm-hmm. to get a laugh instead of creating a real villain. Yeah, and he he stood out because everybody else had a more realistic, grounded look. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, what what can you do? But you know that all sets up in. So he's gone by the time we get to the our, our special of the Great Heap. Yeah, which ultimately sets takes place before the Uncharted Space arc. So this is where they they meet Mungo Baobab. They, yes. they meet Space Jesus, and <laughs> they kind of tell a story. And have you found Space Jesus yet? <laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Have you found Space Jesus? Yes. <laughs> uh, 
it, it, it's interesting because so this is again this one was completely Ben Burt wrote and did handle this whole thing mm-hmm. and obviously had an hour had more time to kind of develop the story and it felt like it it felt like there are parts throughout the, the whole series where you'd be watching from one scene to the next and feel like they clearly cut something out there I mean they're moving along and suddenly like the stories has jumped ahead nothing overly jarring but it's noticeable to the point where like what is it's, this is a little confusing but okay yeah. whatever we'll go along with it um when you get to the great heap, that doesn't happen at all. It has a actually has a pretty good flow. For I mean, it, it, it's a mediocre story. Yeah, it's the best one of the better ones that they've told in here. Mm-hmm. But it it definitely has a great flow beginning to end. It doesn't feel rushed. Nothing feels cut. It it actually feels like a, a comprehensive story. Yeah, and it almost made me wish that the previous three arcs would have been each condensed into a one hour. Special and just at a four-part miniseries. Oh, yeah. Would have been cool. Absolutely. You know, if you took the best part of of each arc and smashed it into a one-hour episode, mm-hmm. one-hour feature, whatever, then you've got time, and mm-hmm. it would have been better, I yeah. think. That first arc probably still would have suffered. Yeah, <laughs> probably still would have sucked, but yeah. it would have been better. Yeah, it probably would have been better, <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, I mean, even the, I mean, the Great Heap didn't have its... I mean, it still had its minor quibbles i mean they have this little alien creature who it's like basically like the, the little tag along kid who doesn't speak english or basic as you go know, mm-hmm. to star wars and he just kind of he's just kind of annoying yeah he's kind of like oh, whatever yeah. Yeah. but um but i mean the the end whole end sequence and we i referenced this before with with r2d2 saves the day i mean he just does it all himself Yep. It's pretty awesome to watch. Yeah. It's actually really cool. It's, you just see Mungo on the ground. It's like, oh no, yeah! yeah. Oh no, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> well, in the movies, episode eight, you see R2-D2 fly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, remember he, he takes out those battle droids and he hits his rockets and he lights them on fire yep. and the whole theater goes nuts. Yep. That happens in this episode. Like, you see R2-D2 do some really cool things. Yeah. And, yeah, he's the hero. And it's like, I, I've waited 13 episodes for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's and the whole the whole idea behind this this one episode is the name, is the Great Heap. It's this um, massive droid. He's huge. And he, so he's a droid, but he, he builds himself. He kind of uses the remains of other droids and then uses astromech droids like an R2-D2 yeah. to power himself. He just basically, like just, yeah, he basically just uses them. He plug plugs them in and... Yeah, so he, he collects droids, and he actually there's a harem of astromech droids. Yes, where they he just like like R two D two ends up getting getting caught, and he goes into this giant room. There's a swimming pool. Yeah, and there's just like droids, just kind of all these little astromech droids, just kind of hanging out and right. living the high life. They're like in an astromech spa. Yeah, and then, and then, well, and actually, I don't know if you saw there's there's one shot where. You see R two D two in the pool with yes. this female astromech droid, yes. and then right in front of them, there's like they're kind of like lounging. These other droids lounging, one reading a magazine called Play Droid. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh wow. But but what happens is every once in a while, one of these astromech droids get like gets gets yanked out and then Fed to essentially the yeah sacrificed to the great heap who just like ah consumes them and well he's got the slot in his mouth that mm-hmm. looks like where an astromech would plug into the x fighter yeah x-wing fighter and that's in his mouth and you put it in there and you see all this light happen and then he spits out the droid and the droid is like lifeless and colorless yeah and he's drained spent. of all of its yeah. of all of its energy so 
Yeah, it's it's very definitely a, a different kind of concept. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I just never thought I would see a droid harem or uh, right. <laughs> anything quite like that. But yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, the overall story, despite some of those weird things, was actually I think the best mm-hmm. the best component of this entire yeah. entire series. Yeah. And typically, you know, we've learned previously that like if a special came out after the series, it's not good because yeah. it seems like it's a last ditch Hail Mary effort. Yeah. But this actually worked. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah. It wasn't like it was a rework. No. Go like, oh, let's, let's totally change everything up and see if we can get something out of it. Then. Right. No, this was, this is basically, we had a story that we wanted to tell. We're still going to go and tell it. Yeah. And tell it. We'll just bury it you know, mm-hmm. six months after <laughs> any connecting material is. is yep. We'll let everyone forget about that and we'll start this. Yeah. Um, you know what I did want to mention, um, General, when we talked about General Kung mm. as the bad guy. So there's this character, Vlix, and he's like a cricket or something. He's like a big cricket. But his voice, when I say this, you're going to go, oh, my God, it is. He sounded like Howie Mandel when Howie Mandel did the baby voice. Oh, yeah. Remember that? I, I, you know, I heard it, and I thought, that's Gollum. Oh, yeah. From, from the Lord of the Rings. Totally. That's, that's Andy Circus doing the... Yeah. The, uh, the Smeagol voice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's that high-pitched, kind of whiny voice. But What's he was... Tater's yeah. 3PO? Right. <laughs> he was a badass. Mm-hmm. He was. That guy was a villain. Yeah. And he just needed those guys to get out of his way. Yeah, well... Because he was me. He had poisonous spikes on his arms and legs like mm-hmm. a cricket would, but he, like, would get you with that, mm-hmm. and you're... Pass out. Yeah. He was mean. Yeah, when Kung actually, like, you know... Attacks him, attacks himself with with his chemical with the, weapons. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't bother him. No, like, he's you just, silly fool. That doesn't yeah, bother he's me. Like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just standing there like, oh, what an idiot. Yeah. Well, and then then you also yeah the other villain in that that arc we did mention is Admiral Screed, who yes. is this again a humanoid. He's kind of got like a, a pretty messed up face, but he's got like a metal eye, like a um, almost like a cyborg type mm-hmm. eye. And again, seems much more competent and much more menacing. Yeah. But as long as you have the general there, it's like okay, whatever. He's kind of detached enough from the the action that right. Like it'd be cool to see if they did something with him, but no, they don't really I do know. much. Must have been a union thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I overall, um, I, I agree with you. It got better as it went along, mm-hmm. and some of the cartoons we've watched got worse as <laughs> it went along. Uh, started the bar low and just went lower. Mm-hmm. And this one started the bar low and, and went up and then got quite good yeah. at the end. Well, and I think part of it is, especially for what makes this unusual, especially for an 80s cartoon, is that this is this is a little more high level. Not, I mean, it's not super complex, but it clearly is. There's more going on in terms of the storytelling than on your average 80s Saturday morning fair. Right. This isn't just, you know... Yeah. It um, makes me wonder if they the had... And dog got, ca- got captured by the, 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 the pound, and now we got to go release some type yeah. of thing. This yeah. Is, you know, it's a little more in-depth than that. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if they had written it above what it was supposed to be and had to dumb it down, and then mm-hmm. it just ruined it. Yeah. You know, had to bring it down to, hey, we're trying... We're looking at three and four year, or third and fourth graders here. Yeah. We need to bring it down a little bit, but then it doesn't work, mm-hmm. you know. Because, I mean, clearly today there are cartoons that are written for Mm -hmm. teenagers and adults. And I think this would have been better had they aimed for teenagers and adults. Well, I think you look at the 
that holds true with the, the Clone Wars, which is such an amazing series. Yeah, I mean, and it's if you haven't watched it, it really is an outstanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, outstanding uh, animated series for the, and it really advances a lot of Star Wars storylines, mm-hmm. and, and and it continues actually now into like the Mandalorian and the Boba Fett yeah. episodes. But um, yeah, it, it felt like if they had been able to do more again. You know the standards and practices board from ABC is like, mm, yeah. Kind of let's scale it back. And and again, it really hurts when your main character up until through the first nine your nine episodes, it's two ultimately two droids who are great supporting characters. They're not leads. They're not leads. Mm-hmm. And so and you have to. And clearly, the writers knew what they needed a lead, lead. Yep. but they didn't have strong leads for the basically the first nine episodes it isn't yeah. until you've got space jesus where you've got a, a sure. actually decent yeah. storyline to yeah it was character to build too. from yeah 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 it, it's, it's a really it turned out to be a really good character yeah i agree and maybe it's because he was uh, the voice was good mm-hmm. he was a good actor yeah um but, yeah. but it's, i think they, they just fleshed out enough of his backstory i mean there's, there's not a lot but there's just enough so you're like okay yeah I, I buy I care what this about guy's this selling. Guy. Yeah. yeah, I care about this guy. Yeah, yeah. I'd follow him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> forty days and forty nights. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we're uh, we're on the same page with with how how this ended up. What mm-hmm. about um, your good, bad, and ugly? Uh, the good, I think, I'll, I'll couch it a little bit by saying it's it's not great. Yeah, but the good components, and we just talked about one of them, is the the kind of the higher end right I mean the the higher level writing they're trying to they're clearly trying to do a little bit more with with the medium than than was typically being done I don't think they were overly overly successful with it but they clearly were trying something different yeah and the animation while it's not necessarily my style you can see where the um, the effort and the kind of some of that passion came out in some of the, the way that I mean everything was new and unique and different yeah and it was um, they didn't there's not a lot of like where we're just using the same backgrounds over and over. No, not that. typically. So there was no cost cutting. This is like we're we're doing something completely new and different. And yeah, I mean it. It makes it really, really cool. It doesn't make it great, but it makes it definitely it ups it a little bit more than than you normally would. Yeah, I, I normally would have given this credit for. Sure, I for me the good was you know, Star Wars was so big in the early 80s i mean it was everywhere and they were taking a risk trying to make that a cartoon Mm -hmm. and i think that when i watched it i believed i was in the star wars universe it wasn't a cheap knockoff um the backgrounds the buildings the technology um even some of the spaceships while they weren't recognizable as the ones you've seen in the movie but they looked like Star Wars spaceships. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an Imperial shuttle that looked exactly like the Imperial shuttle in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, so that stuff to me was good, that they did the franchise. For me, they they represented the Star Wars universe well in the way they drew things. Mm-hmm. Um, like on board the ship, the planets, the technology, all like, yeah, that's immediately recognizable as Star Wars. Yeah. So I thought that was good. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, how about your bad? Um, just the voice acting was, with a couple of exceptions, it was just really wooden mm-hmm. and plain. And, and, you know, the in a sci-fi movie, you don't expect 
<laughs> but I expected more. Yeah. It just seemed to me like it was such a menagerie of actors that they just grabbed whoever was around and said, hey, do you got 10 minutes? Come read this. Um, <laughs> We're under deadline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was the bad for me. Yeah, the, the bad for me is ultimately, and we've talked about it already, that just there's no real engaging leads in these stories. I mean, yeah. And this, and the overall, every episode suffers as a result of it until you get, until you get to the end where they finally, you know, where space Jesus actually carries right. some weight. But, yeah. But you could see where the writers were so desperate to get, can we get something other than this, these two droids that we can use? And, but when you bring in somebody recognizable like Boba Fett or IG 88, it kind of, it makes you sit up a little bit as a fan, like, Oh, what's happening oh, here? Yeah. Um, I know who that is. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it makes those those stories where they show up a little a little bit more engaging. Mm-hmm. Where and so if you had a main character, even if it was Lando Calrissian or somebody else who was not like sure. that main core, but still somebody or Wedge Antilles or somebody like yeah. that, you could you could kind of buy into a little bit more. Right. You already have that invested in engagement. It, it yeah. would it would have carried it much more and probably would have been more effective. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, for example, we watched. And we recognized Boba Fett, mm-hmm. IG-88, Max Rebo, Max Rebo and his band. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's, mm-hmm. I, w- I would have liked to see more of that. Yes. Yeah. And, and then, like you said, the, just the voice acting was just eh, yeah. phoned yeah. in. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's not Brady Kid's level of phoned in, no, but it's, it's no. not great. Not great. Yeah. Any ugly? I really didn't have any ugly. Um, There's nothing overly offensive or terrible about no. it. It was just... It's Star Wars. Yeah. Um, the chemical weapons thing was a little disappointing, but it didn't work. So it kind of showed how bad those things really are because it backfired on the guy trying to use it. Um, as he, as he if I had to come up with something, yeah. but it's minor. It's yeah. I, I, there's the, not. It doesn't lead to genocide. Everyone survives the chemical attack. And, yeah, and there's yeah. there's just nothing that you walk away like. Oh, I, I can't believe they would never get away with that today. That just doesn't no, happen at it's all. Fine. I mean, it, yeah. it is it is completely fine. But yep. So, John, on your uh, your rating scale of 0 to 10. 0 to 10. I really wanted this to be better. So I took C-3PO and R2-D2 and added 2 plus 3 and got 5. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't want to give it more than 5. Yeah. Um, you know, I gave it a benefit of the doubt because it's Star Wars mm-hmm. um, and it's George Lucas. But really, it just didn't. It's not a bad cartoon i just didn't like it mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of where i end up at a five I, i'm i'm actually right at the same spot when i first started watching this like oh this isn't any better than a three yeah and then like oh this is a little bit better i'm starting to see some things and it, yeah. it bumped up to a four by the end of it, like you know what and just exactly like i said it's not a bad cartoon it's not a great cartoon it's just completely passable cartoon it is a yeah. mid-tier this is a cartoon mm-hmm. yeah and it's not it's not bad it's not great it's just it's a thing and yeah so like what better than just middle of the road cartoon is a middle of the road grade is a five yeah and if you're a star wars fan you'll like it mm-hmm. as much as we did yeah you're not gonna, <laughs> you're I mean, not gonna you, may, you may love it who knows yeah. i'd be surprised if you did i yeah. mean and it's it's 13 14 you know 13 episodes in a movie it's yeah it's a quick you can you can slog through that really quickly on Disney yeah. Plus right now. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, yeah, interesting. Well, so from a galaxy far, far away, where are we headed? I want to I stay in the 80s um, with Gem and the Holograms. There's holograms in Star Wars, isn't there? You can tie <laughs> that together. I don't think it's quite the same. <laughs> I don't know what we're in for, John. <laughs> 
<laughs> this would be an interesting one to go into. Yeah, I'm, I don't remember watching it because I think I thought it was a girl's cartoon or something. But I believe it is. I yeah. know that I remember the cartoon, the, the the commercials for it. I couldn't. I've never obviously watched this episode, this cartoon. So yeah. So hey, we're, it'll we're be coming in blind. It'll right. Be... We'll see if that's good or not. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I hear mom. I think it's time for uh, for us to go outside. So that means cartoon time is over. I'm John. I'm Robert. And this is Toon Talk. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want more Toon Talk, you can find us on Twitter at Toon Talk Guys. Or if you've got questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email us at toontalkguys at gmail.com.